But I'm in these, this series that I'm calling New is New. And uh, this is part two. And uh, I've called it, What Do I Do? What do I do? You know, there's moments in life where you get this opportunity for fight or flight. You know, and often it's linked to doing something new. I remember when I was a lifeguard many eons ago uh, in Chelmsford. I don't know if you've ever been swimming at Chelmsford, but they've got a, a one, a three, and a five-meter diving board. And people would go up onto the five-meter diving board and look down. And from the top, it looks really high. And from the bottom, you look up there and think it's not too bad. But when you get up there... It's really high, and the worst thing is you don't just see the water, you see through the water, and you see 12 foot down to the bottom, so it looks even further. And you get particularly these young lads who are often trying to show off to the girlfriend, going up there, oh, I'll do it up there, and you get there. And as they get to the edge, you can start seeing them holding the rail a little bit, and uh, looking over the edge, and they're like, I have seen a kid stay up there for an hour and a half. But he was so did him, he jumped off in the end. But here's the thing, he jumped off the first time, he got out with a great big smile on his face, he went round and jumped, jumped straight back off again. The first time's tough. But once you've done it once, you're like, I've caught this, this was brilliant. I don't know many people who try something for the first time that they really wanted to do and then regret it. Sarah works in aesthetic beauty now. She basically goes to work and injects people's faces. She loves it. But who knows, there was the first time. Sarah's major role in her company now that she works for is, is to, to teach. She's the head of learning there. And so she is teaching people where to inject, how to inject, how much to inject, what angle to inject, how deep to inject. And they're doing it for the first time. Who wants to be the client? But they offer these things that literally, you know, the, the, the value of the product, no, nothing extra. So you can get a quarter price treatment to be a model. And it's an expensive treatment. And people love it. They come in. But then there's that person who comes in and they're a bit like this. Got the old indexing needle. You're laying there like this. about to ask yeah. <laughs> You don't want that person. Sarah's had people faint. She's had people throw up. She's had people walk out. All kinds of things happen in this moment that is new. But every time the person does it for the first time and it goes well, the confidence comes up and they're like, that was brilliant. Why? Because they had a choice to fight or flight. And they chose, I really want this, I'm going to do it, I'm going to go for it. And when they step up and do it well, the confidence goes up and they can't wait for it. They're injecting everyone. Don't get near me because I'll inject you. <laughs> she loves it. We have great discussions around our dinner table when she gets home. Because we're like, did you have a fainter? Was there a fainter today? <laughs> Love it. But there's this opportunity to fight or flight. Uh, for our last three holidays of, as a family, we went to uh, Porta Ventura in, in uh, Spain. And there's the biggest uh, theme park in Europe is there. And they've got the tallest ride, the fastest ride, the, the most loops in a ride, the fastest naught to 100 in a straight line. It is epic. We love it. We're a bit of an adrenaline engine junkie uh, family. And um, there's Ferrari World there. And on its 100th birthday, Ferrari built this Ferrari world thing. And they have a, a roller coaster that does 0 to 100 in a straight line in two seconds. It goes up 100 metres, comes back down again and shoots round. The ride lasts all of about 10 seconds, but it is brilliant. Who knows you've got to queue up three hours for a 10-second ride, but it's still worth it. But this thing that you get, you've got a photograph taken of you, literally 20 metres into the ride. But the, the force is incredible. You're just like like that and of course everyone wants to have a go at it 
but it's nearly always their first time. You can hear people chattering in the queue. Oh, I really want to do this. I'm a bit nervous. And the closer you get into the ride, you see how big it is. And you see people pulling away at 100 miles an hour. You're like, but people love it. And so we did this thing in our family. So Josh and I waited in a special line to get on the front seat. And we had this idea that what we do is as it pulled away, everyone does this. We said, we're just going to sit there like this. And so this thing goes to pull away. Josh and I have got there at the front row. And uh, when we saw the photograph, do you know the photograph you get at the end of the ride? When we saw the photograph, I was like this. <laughs> my skin was up here. It goes so fast, all the gel had come out of my hair. I was like that. <laughs> but Josh was like this. <laughs> Never seen anything like it. He was like... It is so fast. You, I tried to stay still, but I physically couldn't. But here's the thing. We had a choice in that queue to queue up for that front seat, to drop out. We could have fought it and said we're going to do it, or we could have run away. And I'm believing in this new season that you're all going to get these new opportunities. And my encouragement to you today is a faith encouragement. Come on, church. It's time to fight for something. It's time not to run away from an opportunity. You're all going to get opportunities. We as a church are going to get opportunities. And we can choose to run away, to faint, to pass out or throw up. Or stand up and see what God might just do by a bunch of faithful people who say yes. And here's the thing. We might step out for the first time and pray for someone. We might step out for the first time and give something to someone. You might step out for the first time and share your faith with someone. And you might feel a little bit sick doing it. But the second time you come to do it, you're like, I'm in there because my confidence is high now. God's going to give you a win. Because he loves you, he's your dad, and he wants you to win. And I want to start this message by speaking over you as an individual, your family, and us as a church. Through this passage in Deuteronomy. It's Deuteronomy chapter 11. And verse 14, this is what it says. Bearing in mind, new season, church. Then I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your grain new wine and olive oil. Here's the thing. Let's unpack that a little bit. Rain. God is refreshing you. It's been a tough season, but this is a new season, and God is refreshing you. Rain is coming on you. Gathering grain speaks of growth. We're going to gather. The church is going to grow. You as an individual are going to grow. Your family is going to grow. The things that are important to you are going to grow. We're gathering in because we're feeling refreshed. New wine speaks of miracles. Come on, this is a season of miracles, church. Is there a man or a woman of faith in our, in our house that's going to say, I'm going to believe for a miracle in my world? Come on, because this is the time. Olive oil speaks of fresh anointing. So can I speak over you as an individual? Can I speak over us as a church? Can I speak over you and your household? It is time for a season of growth, miracles, and breakthrough, and it's starting today. Come on, this is the season we're stepping into, church. I, I think you should be a little bit more excited. So with all of this, I want to just share a few thoughts around if that's true, and it's my truth, what do I do? So the title today is, What Do I Do? And I just want to look at three potential responses to new opportunities. And here they are. First potential response is to wait on God. Just wait. The second potential response is to pray for the ones who are called to step up to do the action because you don't feel like you're called to step up to do the action. It's a potential response. 
And the third response I want to look at is to stand up and step forward. And all of those responses are valid, all of those responses are healthy, and all of those responses are good. Depends where you are at in the season and what God's asking you to do. So let's have a look at them. When you sense a new opportunity, you'll know it. Who knows that as you go through life and you see opportunities presented in you, you know it's God because you can't just, it won't go away from you. You just know it's there and it's just like, yeah, oh, I've got my, my, my heart's moved about that. I can see, oh, I might push that door. I might ask that question. I, I might plant that seed. I'm, oh, there's something in it for me. And you can't let it go. You know it's God because you, you just won't let it go. And you know it's God also because there'll be opposition. Give me a wave if ever you've stepped out for God and you sensed opposition. You know, the reality of John 10.10 is, Jesus says, I came to give you life and life in its fullness. But he also says, there's a thief. Come to kill, steal and destroy. If God's in it, if there's something special about to happen, you can bet your bottom dollar there will be opposition. But we're in a season of faith, not in a season of fear. So as opposition comes, I'm not backing down, I'm pressing in. Why? Because the King of Kings is behind me. He's put a dream in my heart and I want to grab hold of it. I could be sick, throw up and run away, or I could stand up and have a go and see what my God might do through someone like me who's got a yes in their heart. Come on, is there a yes in your heart, church? Because opportunities are coming your way. There will be opposition, but we are people of faith. When God's with you, you can be full of confidence. Have a look at this. Psalm 127, verse 2. I'm reading from the Amplified Version because I love what it does with the verse. It is vain for you to rise early, to retire late, to eat the bread of anxious labours, for he gives blessings to his beloved even in his sleep. Do you know what? Sometimes we try so hard. We work longer hours. We wake up in the night with everything on our mind. We get anxious. And God's saying, what are you doing? I'm just going to do this one for you. Because that's the heart of a father. You know, my Evie today is in her first ever dance competition. That's why she's not here. I want her to do well. I want her to win. Do you know what? If I could dance it for her, I would. Because <laughs> I love her. But you know what? Sometimes there's a dream in your heart and you think, I don't know if I can do that. And your father in heaven says, I've got this one for you. And I can. Sometimes you don't have to do anything at all. You just have to maintain your peace and wait on God. And watch a story unfold in front of you of his goodness on your behalf. Now, I like to look at the Bible as a whole and not base a theology on one verse. How many of you listen to someone base a whole theology on one verse that in reality they've probably taken out of context and twisted it a little bit to fit their narrative? But when you look at the Bible as a whole and you see themes running through them, you can know that it's a theme of the kingdom of heaven. And it's true for us here. Look at this one. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Can you see it's basically saying the same thing? So now we can know that this is a theme, this is a biblical theme. It's not one verse that Pastor Barry's trying to manipulate to make it sound good. This is a biblical theme that when you just rest in Jesus with a dream in your heart, sometimes he just says, I'm going to make this happen. And you wake up in weeks to come and you look back and you go, can't believe that. God just did it. But then next time you can believe that because God did it. It stirs your faith. Is your response in this new season that you actually just need to be still? And for some of you, that will be true. It's a good response. We just need to wait on the Lord 
and watch him unpack it. You are a daughter of the king. You are a son of the king and he loves you. And is this a time for you that he's going to step in and just do it for you and open doors and shift things and change things? There is difference between waiting on the Lord with faithful expectation and just being lazy and fearful. And we need to know the difference. Sometimes people are sitting there doing absolutely nothing about it and you're their friend getting frustrated with them and they're doing it under the guise of I'm waiting on God but not really. What they're really doing is being lazy and fearful and we need to know the difference. But sometimes people are genuinely going, okay God, you put a word in my heart and I trust you for this and I know you're not asking me to step forward right now so I wait with faithful expectation. Even waiting with faithful expectation is doing something. It's not doing nothing. Can you see the slight difference? And we need to know the difference and we need to apply it. The second potential response is to be praying on behalf of other people. So you're putting your weight behind what they're doing and your doing is in the praying. Who knows that everything starts with prayer? Spiritually speaking, prayer undergirds everything. Everything launches from prayer. Did anyone say there's a prayer meeting tonight on Zoom? Come, I'd love to see you there. It starts in prayer. If this is a new season, can I stir your prayer warrior up in you and say, come on, come out. We're trying to make it easy access. It's half an hour for the church, so come on, God. We want to go somewhere with this. Look at this here, famous passage in Exodus 17, verses 8 through 13. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Can you see the picture? You see, it was Joshua's time to stand up and fight. It was Moses' time to be the prayer warrior. Moses was still active, but he wasn't doing the doing. And can I say right here, this isn't an age thing. The first thing you think is, oh, Moses is the old guy. And Joshua's the youth leader. Here he is, look. And it can be that, but it, all, it can also be a season thing. It can also be, actually, now is my time, despite my ability to do loads of stuff, to stand back and get my weight behind the others who are coming through. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a posture of prayer and praise. I've got to get it in there, guys. Did anyone watch a football match last night? When England scored in our house, we were like, yeah! There was none of this, hey, well done, chaps. Good goal. Sir Kane. You see, you raise your hands in praise. Well done, guys. Yes! Celebration. So what's Moses doing? Thank you, God, for giving us the victory. We claim that victory right now. Give it to us, Lord. And as he's praising and raising his hand and lifting an anthem, the youth warrior is out there winning the battle. They're both playing their part. And for some people, that might be your season. And it's a valid and great season. 
because we need people who are going to gird it in prayer and people who are going to get active and walk under the, with that prayer underpinning them. This is a spiritual battle. And what are we fighting for? We're fighting for the very people Jesus died for. There are people all around us who need Jesus. They're bumbling through life. They're doing their best. Some of them having success. Some of them struggling. I don't know. But you know there is no better life than with Jesus in the middle of it. And he died for every single one of them. And it's our goal to reach out and show something of the goodness of God. But there's an enemy that doesn't like that. Who doesn't want them to see the goodness of God. So there's our battle. We've got an enemy that doesn't want them to see it. And we've got a Lord who's already done it and wants us to show it. And there's the battle. So can we pray, Lord, we're coming against every attack of the enemy. We want our friend, we want our family member, we want the people who live in Colchester, we want the people all over the world to see you. Let us play our part. And as we pray, and as we praise and take that posture, we step in and people will be able to speak and pray and touch lives and change hearts. And Jesus is made known. And lives are changed. You all have a part to play. You know, raising your hands also an act of submission. When someone points a gun at you, what do you do? I submit, you're in charge right now. God's not got a gun at any of us. He just loves on us. But we get to choose submission. We get to choose to say, I know you love me so much. I know your plans are good for me. So I'm stepping back and I'm submitting to your kingship. You are God and I am not. I love you. I'm available to your purposes. Raising your hands is both praise and submission. And that's why, you know, those who are relatively new in church, when you see us praising, often people put their hands up. Because it's a celebration that Jesus has saved my life. And it's a submission to say, you're king and I'm not. And it's a great posture to be in, in a gathering. I want to bring this picture up here. Um, some of you might know this picture. Uh, three awesome people. The guy in the middle is a guy called Duncan Campbell. The two awesome ladies either side of him are Peggy and Christine Smith. And uh, there was a, a, a massive revival in the Hebrides many years ago. And um, Duncan Campbell was the preacher. He's the famous guy. He's the guy who went out and he declared the goodness of Jesus. And there was a move of heaven where things shook and people came to know Jesus in their thousands. There was healings all over the place on the street. Everything was just going off. It wasn't a case of, oh, I'm not sure about Jesus. You couldn't miss it. People's lives are being changed like that. Bang, bang, bang. God shut. Oh, I want to see some of that. Duncan Campbell, what a guy. But I don't believe he was the main guy. I believe the two ladies either side of him are the main people. Peggy Smith, Christine Smith. One of them's blind. One of them's doubled over with arthritis. But you know what they did? They relentlessly prayed for a move of God. Day after day, after day, after day. Lord, I can't see anything, but I'm just seeing with my spiritual eyes. Lord, I can't walk anymore. I can't move, but I'm calling out on your name. Bring a man to us. Do something. We want to shift this place. I'm not going to give you any rest until my friends see Jesus. I'm not going to give you any rest until I see the miraculous healing power of God come into our time. I won't stop. I can't see with my eyes. I can't move with my back, but my spirit person is alive, and I'm calling on you, Jesus. And then Duncan Campbell steps up. And I think he was as shocked as anyone. That he stood up and he just said, Jesus loves you. And the whole place went, what? And of course, he was anointed and great and brilliant. But he was able to flow because of the foundation of these two women. They raised the standard. They put their arms in the air. Come on, church. There's a prayer meeting tonight. Come on, will you come? 
Will you come? It's on Zoom. The numbers can come up on the screen later or ask Ellie or Sonic. Will you come? Because I could preach my little heart out. And I could be brilliant and eloquent and make people laugh and unpack the truths of the Bible and people could walk away and go, that was nice. Or you could pray and I could stand up here and bumble and mess it up and not say the right thing and walk and go, what am I doing? And suddenly God just moves. Not because I'm good, because we say, God, we need you. Come on, church. It's a new season. Would you pray? The third action I want to talk about is standing up and stepping forward. All of these are valid. I know what it's like in church life, and I know what I'm like as a leader and as a person. We're all thinking, he wants us all to stand up and move forward. And kind of I do. But all three of these responses are valid. And you need to know where you're at in your season. Ephesians 6, verses 13 through 17 speaks of the armor of God. It says this, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you um, extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Can you see the word stand in there three times? Sometimes I think we look at the armor of God and we think, I put the armor of God on every day and there I am, I'm safe now. But the armor of God is actually an attacking position, not just a defending position. You see, often when you look at pictures of armor, you see it's a breastplate of righteousness. You see, the front is protected and in times gone by, it was, you didn't have your back protected because it was seen as cowardice to turn and run away. So if you've got an arrow in the back, you were a coward. So you're protected on the front. Why? Because you're going to stand and you're going to walk forward. And I'm going to take you head on and I'm not backing down. I've got the armor of God on. There's nothing you can do to me. I'm righteous. You see, so many people will look at you and the enemy will attack you and say, you lived this life and you said this thing, you thought that thought and you're rubbish. And you say, say what you like, but I've got the righteousness of God on me. I'm righteous because of Jesus, not because of me. And I'm moving forward. And you can throw your arrows at me and try and make me feel bad. But you know what? It's not going to work because I'm fully covered. So I'm taking ground. You see, it's a place of fight. The armor of God isn't just for defense. It's for attacking. And we're not attacking people. We're loving people. We're attacking the things that come at people to rob them of fullness. And we can do that on behalf of... And there'll be people who you know, who are close to you, who are having a difficult time. Well, that difficult time isn't coming from God. So we need to fight what's coming at them, on their behalf if necessary. We need to be the ones who stand there going, Jesus, I'm, I'm lifting up my, my friend, I'm lifting up my family member, I'm lifting up that person I care about. And as you lift up your hands in prayer, the wind comes through. And we walk forward, we stand up and we walk forward. It's not passive, it's active. I love Jesus. Always good to rehearse with a bit of Jesus in his church, don't you think? Luke 9, verse 51, this is, this is brilliant. As the time approached for him, for Jesus, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. My king wasn't a namby-pamby. 
He knew he was going to die. So what did he do? Fear or flight? Faith or doubt? Well, there was only one thing for Jesus. He resolutely said, that's where I'm going. Come on. And he fought for me. And he fought for you. And there is goodness in his hands. And it's free. And all we need to do is say, thank you, Jesus. I accept your goodness. You're welcome here. Because he resolutely went to die for you. He was active. He was purposeful. And for some people in this room, it is the time to stand up. For some people in this room, it's time to get some resolution in your heart to say, I'm not buckling anymore. For some people in the room, it's time to take some ground and move forward. For some people in the room, it's time to say, okay, that's been a difficult year, but it's behind me. There's a faith warring up in me right now, and I'm about to take some ground and move forward. People around me need me to do it. The kingdom needs me to do it. The church needs me to do it. I need to do it for myself. It's time to stand up for someone and not back down. There are families here represented where, you know, you've got family members who are away from God. And it's breaking your heart. Well, it's time to be resolute. It's time to pray like you've never prayed before. It's time to demonstrate what kingdom life looks like. Because when we demonstrate what kingdom life looks like properly, it's so attractive. We have a difficult moments, but you know what? The peace of God lives in my heart. We have our celebration moment, but you know what? I get the blessings from heaven. It is just unbelievably good. So... I'm declaring over you a blessed season, a season of new wine, of miracles, of growth, of freshness. I'm declaring that over you. So you need to decide, in this season for me, what's my response? And this is where I believe is the strength of the church. You know, you could be a Christian and not come to church, but you're in a stronger position when you do. And here's why. The Bible says, plans succeed with the counsel of many. You see, you might be sitting here thinking, well, Pastor Barry, I love those thoughts, but I'm not sure. Am I supposed to wait? I feel like there's something rising up, and maybe I'm supposed to take some ground, or am I supposed to pray? I'm not really sure. Well, do you know what you do? You go to people around you who you know love you and say, this is my dilemma. What do you think? And you get some counsel, and you go to someone else and say, I've really been feeling like this. You know, on the back of that message I heard on Sunday, something's stirring. What do you think? And the counsel of many helps you to succeed. I touched on one of our heart values last week, didn't I? Reaching out, heart, honor, excellence, advancement, reaching out together. How about T for together? We are stronger together. So when we come together and you join a connect group or you, you, know, you have a coffee with someone or you have a relationship with someone in the church, you can know, you can know, you can know in a different way to you're going to experience outside of the church. That person loves you. That person genuinely wants you to succeed. You don't find that everywhere, but in church you find that. And so when you go to them and say, I've got this opportunity, what do you think? They're going to give you an answer that is tinged with the wisdom of the Father but underpinned by the hope that you're going to win. And that's where we're best together. So this opportunities are going to come your way. I declare that. Opportunities are going to come your way. And you're going to decide, do I wait on God? Do I pray in for someone else to take hold of? Or am I standing up and stepping forward? And you might want to get some counsel on that. And that is where we need each other. We are the church. We are the church. It's great in a way that we're meeting in this building because people, this is a school. It's not a church. But church has never been the building. It's always been you. It's Jesus living in me. It's Jesus living in you. It's us coming together and having a whole bunch of Jesus living in us. We are the building. 
this is a great venue. It's cool. We're working it through only week two and it's going to get better and better at it. And so excited about what God's going to do through us together. For me, and many of you know my personality, I love the Apostle Paul. You see, he, he met Jesus when he was riding his horse at the heat of the sun and Jesus appeared to him. He said, Paul, Saul, what are you doing? He had this encounter which changed his life. And then the Apostle Paul was relentless. Relentless. He got shipwrecked. But he kept turning up. He kept going. Even the shipwreck, it was a blessing. He got whipped. But he just kept turning up. He kept going again. They beat him so much so they walked away and they thought he was dead. They beat him to within an inch of his life. But he got back up and he just turned up again. He was absolutely... They put him in jail. Well, he did his best work in jail. We still read it today. He was relentless. I can just imagine Paul turning up in the, in the city square and them all thinking we've got him. He would go, only me? And they're all like, oh, for crying out loud, he's back. <laughs> relentless. Because he had a dream in his heart. That while I'm here on earth, someone else is going to know my Jesus. While I'm here on earth, someone else is going to get their freedom because I'm going to pray for them. While I'm here on earth, I'm going to bring the kingdom of heaven and let people see it. And you can beat me, you can shipwreck me, you can shove me in jail, you can boot me in the face. But you know what? I'm back! (laughs) He's not giving up. I want us to be known for that. I'm not declaring a shipwreck over any of you. Or a whipping or any of those things. But when things come against us, and they will, we're going to go again. And when people speak us down, we're going to go again. And when people turn us away, we're going to go again. Do you know why? Because he's worth it. And when he had the opportunity to fight for me, do you know what he said? I resolutely go to Jerusalem. He didn't say, oh, Barry, you're a good guy. I don't know if I love you that much. He was like, I'm going there. And I want the heart of Jesus beating in me that says, I'm going again. I want to follow the example of Paul that says, I'm going again. You know, I want us to get a name in our town where people start saying, those flipping equippers people, they're everywhere. But everywhere we go, we bring goodness. Everywhere we go, we bring hope. Everywhere we go, we bring provision in our hands. Everywhere we go, people are getting healed. Everywhere we go, we are influencing the situation. So in the end, people are like, I do keep turning up everywhere, but when they turn up, wow, it's good. You carry that. So as a church, will you play your part? Maybe for you as an individual, in the collective, it's time to wait on God and see what he's going to do. Maybe for you as an individual, you're just going to pray and pray and pray that some people, as they step out, are going to be in power from heaven. Or maybe from you, it's time to stand up, get your armor on and take some ground. But as we all play our part in this big picture, Jesus is going to be made known. This is a new season. So we can expect new results. And if you've tried stuff in the past and it didn't work out, I want you to leave that in the past and say, come on, try again. Because it's a new season with new anointing, with growth and gathering, with a fresh outpouring. And we are more together than we've ever been before. It's funny, isn't it? We haven't been able to be together, but so many of us feel more together because we've met over Zoom, we've had phone calls, we've dropped parcels off at people's door, we've served the community together in different ways that we wouldn't have done but for being locked down. But where the devil tried to spread the church, 
God brought the church back together and we're demonstrating. You coming here today is a poke in the eye for the enemy. I'm going to church. Oh, but the pandemic. Yeah, but I'm protected. We're going to be sensible. We're going to follow the, the guidance, but I'm protected. So I'm going to play my part. And there's that Equippers Church again. Everywhere they go, bring in the goodness of God. Look, as I'm speaking, the sun's even coming out. Come on. <laughs> Are you with me, church?